Herbal Essences is on a mission to bring the positive power of plants to keep hair beautiful and healthy with products you'll love using. These products are not only free from sulfates, parabens, and dyes, and certified PETA cruelty-free, but they are also full of naturally derived ingredients for healthier, moisturized hair. We all know that winter can leave our hair feeling super dry. Herbal Essences' potent aloe and hemp shampoo and conditioner and argan oil and aloe hair mist work together to hydrate and moisturize hair for fantastic frizz control. Not to mention, Herbal Essence's sustainably harvest potent aloe is uniquely certified by the plant experts at the Royal Botanic Gardens, and it provides extra moisture for your hair. Look for the Herbal Essence's potent aloe collections green bottles at food and drugstores or mass retailers near you, or you can visit herbalessences.com to learn more. Hey everyone, I hope you're doing well. Just popping in here because I recently was on a podcast called Everything Belongs. The host, Madison Morrigan, is awesome. And we had a really amazing conversation. I wanted to share a snippet of that chat with you here. So I hope you enjoy it. Hi, I'm Alex L. And I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Alex, thank you so much for joining me on Everything Belongs. I have been an admirer of your work, your writing, and honestly, the grace you show up in on social media. Do people tell you that a lot? People do tell me that. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for yeah, having me. You're welcome. I'm, I'm curious, actually, is that intentional? Like, do you show up on social media with such grace on purpose? Or is that just you? I would say both. I think it's really important to be gracious with ourselves and then be able to like exhibit that in real time and give other people permission to do the same. So yes, I give myself grace in real life. And also, yes, because I'm a writer, I, sh I have to show up from a space of graciousness. I find when I'm sharing my work, especially in books or on social or what have you, because I just find that that's really important and it builds community. So yes to both of those things. Yeah, I'm, I'm consistently inspired. And even before the interview was just scrolling your feed and kind of getting in the zone of connecting with your energy. And I was just like, honestly taken back of how it seems so intentional. And I'm just like drawing some lessons around my own like need to jab at controversy. <laughs> that, mm. that it seems uh, and I love grace. There's a part of me that like is a disruptor and really am taking notes on how you show up and the way that you share your work and that it's it's so nourishing. Thank you. That really makes me happy to hear especially this week. I've had a pretty tender week around self doubt and imposter syndrome. I've been doing a lot of inner child work. I'm actually in the middle of hosting my uh, Pathway to Peace course, which is all centered around inner child journaling. So I'm not surprised that I'm feeling super tender with myself. And, you know, just to have a community on and offline, you know, affirm me in the ways that I find I, it's so easy for me to affirm others. But when it comes to myself, I really have to work through, you know, so many hurdles. And I think that's important to note here especially because a lot of folks think that I like have it all together and it's just like you know no one has it all together <laughs> and there are these moments where it's like how can I hold myself 
in a light of grace, especially through adversity, especially when things feel tender and challenging? I mean, how can I be as humanly human as I can with myself and with my process? So showing up in a space of vulnerability, um, not only nurtures myself, but I found that it nurtures the community interacting and engaging with my work. Yeah, it really does foster a sense of community. You mentioned adversity and being able to show up in grace, in vulnerability, amongst adversity. And I'm curious what your background is and how you came. You're a writer, you're a podcaster, you're a mother, you host courses. And I'm really curious your journey and what you alchemized to create the art and life you have? Wow, uh, that's a big question. In a nutshell, I will share that I was a very sad kid, battled with depression, battled with feelings of being unloved, walked through some pretty intense, what I now call abuse at the hands of my parents, specifically my mother, physical and emotional abuse. And I always felt displaced and writing was how I found my place in the world. Writing is where I was able to put my pain down. Writing was eventually the catalyst for me putting my joy down too. So because I was such a emotionally challenged kid, I found that I really wanted to, like when I turned 18, I just knew that it was time to shift. And I had become a mother very young. I was 18 when I had my first daughter. And I just knew it was time for a change and it was time for me to take my power back. I have that language now. I didn't have that language then. And it was time for me to choose to do something different and to be someone different for myself, for this kid that I had and for my future self, my future children and my husband who I'm with now. So it's like, I don't know. The journey is ever flowing and writing has been the curator for my healing and my practice of self-discovery. And I actually was gifted writing in therapy. Um, I had a really amazing therapist who just spoke life into me and she gave me journaling as a tool to keep in what she called my emotional toolbox. And I was really able to just work through my pain, my trauma, feelings of abandonment, feelings of uncertainty, of self-doubt, etc. And um, it's been it's been so eye-opening. I'm 31 now, and I'm raising three daughters, and I have a husband, and we're in a healthy friendship, <laughs> partnership, marriage. And I just never would have thought I would be here standing in abundance today because I had such a challenging upbringing and view of myself in the world. So it feels only right that writing called me as a professional person, like come and do this work because it saved me. Writing saved me. And if I can help other people discover their truth and their power through writing practice, that is where the true abundance lies, right? It's like being able to give other people their voice, like my therapist gave me mine through writing practice and through reading. So I hope I answered your question, but that's really kind of what I would say to that.
Herbal Essences believes in plant-based beauty. Their potent aloe collections are sulfate-free and paraben-free and instead infused with real botanicals with the indulgent scents you know and love. They are on a mission to bring the positive power of plants to keep hair beautiful and healthy with products you'll love using. We all know that winter can leave our curls feeling super dry. Herbal Essences' potent aloe and mango shampoo, conditioner, and curl cream work together to hydrate for moisturized, defined, and long-lasting curls. Herbal Essences Sustainably Harvest Potent Aloe is uniquely certified by the plant experts at the Royal Botanic Gardens Q, and it provides extra moisture for your hair. These products are not only free from sulfates, parabens, and dyes, and certified PETA cruelty-free, but they are also full of naturally derived ingredients for healthier, moisturized hair. Sound intriguing? Look for the Herbal Essences Potent Aloe Collections Green Bottle at food, drugstores, or mass retailers near you, or you can visit herbalessences.com to learn more. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. I mean, there are a number of things in your story that I think a lot of people will relate to as far as having early childhood adversity and having depression or being really sad from the abuse that you were experiencing. And as children, we don't have that language. You alluded to not having the language for abuse, but looking back having a different understanding of like why you were sad and why these things were coming up. And then also being a mother quite young. Mm-hmm. And whenever I hear women and just other people talk about those experiences, adversity in childhood, becoming a mother really young, often people can use that to disqualify themselves from what they really want. And I'm wondering if that wasn't the experience for you. And if so, how you moved through some of those stories or beliefs. So I think a lot of the stories that I had around being a mother really young was coming from other people. And while, you know, I do not advocate for teen pregnancy, it was hard as hell. I was not in a relationship with the father. Um, My parents, after the initial shock and disappointment and anger and all of that, helped me co-parent my daughter. They helped me raise her the first four and a half years of her life. So, you know, a lot of the story that was coming was coming from folks who were scared for me. And I was scared for myself, but I knew that I had to make a choice. I made this really big choice to have a kid at 18. So now I have to make this really big choice to be the woman I want to be, not only for her, but for myself. So some of those stories sounded like, you're never going to be able to get anything done. You're going to be another statistic, young, black, unwed. No one is going to want you. You're going to be impoverished. You're going to repeat these generational cycles and traumas with your kids and like just some really like wild things that I find really does defeat people. I made the choice. I made the choice to do something different. And I think that everyone has the power of choice in some way, shape or form. And I refused to be what people thought I was going to be. And um, I had to work really hard to get there. 
I had to work really, really hard to get there and to not allow my own stories, my own self-doubt to seep in and throw me off track. Because there were plenty of moments when my depression got the best of me, when my anxiety got the best of me, when I questioned, you know, the path I took. But I can honestly say that without the path that I took, I would not be the woman I am today. I would not be the mother I am today. I would not be the wife I am today, the friend, the person, the human being that I am today. So, you know, my pathway was not ideal. My pathway was challenging. But now now looking back, I see how my choices leading up to today as this 31-year-old woman raising three kids in a healthy love with herself and her partner, that my path liberated me. And I just want people to know that whatever path you take, however adverse it may be, whatever trauma that you've faced and rejection that you face or doubt or pain or abuse, that you can absolutely overcome and you can absolutely shift and change. And I think there's so much power in that word can and then making the choice to take the steps to do so. Thank you so much for sharing that. And even the emphasis on choice, while choice coincided with some very real things like depression and anxiety and all of the stories that are cultural narratives, familial narratives that each of us hold in our own different way. I'm curious to know about the resources that you were able to grab onto that allowed you to make choices that shape the life you have. And I know you talk about self-care, you talk about community care, and I'm assuming there are more. So I would love to hear you expand upon that. So you mean just in general or? Through your 20s, I mean, in this entire season of cultivating, I mean, you've cultivated a life above and beyond abundance, in my opinion, like looking at the creative life that flows from you and the nurturing love you give your family. And even like I mentioned in the beginning that flows onto social media, it's like it overflows from you kind of abundance. And I may, I guess I'm making the assumption that there were resources that you grabbed a hold of internal and external that supported you to make the choices that cultivated the life you have now? I knew from a very young age, according to my Nana, that I wanted to work for myself. And did I know I was going to be an author? No, I'm a journalism dropout student. I did not think I was going to be writing books for a living. I did not think I was going to be writing at all for a living. So let me just say that, that writing literally chose me, which is a whole nother story in itself. But my grandmother told me that when I was seven, I looked at her and I said, when I get older, I'm going to work for myself so that I can be home with my family. And that stemmed from my mom working, climbing her way up the corporate ladder and my grandmother doing a lot for us, especially with me and childcare and, and really being an active part of my life growing up. And I don't remember saying that, but she does. I've always leaned into my creativity. I mean, just 
um, even when I was in like middle school, I used to make t-shirts and sell them out of my locker. And I got in trouble for that, actually. I, in college, I took an entrepreneurship class. This is what actually encouraged me to drop out of school. And I'm not encouraging that for other people, but that was my pathway. I took an entrepreneurship class and my final project was a skincare line. And my teacher was like, this is great. You should do this. You should absolutely do this. And I was just like, huh, like I can do this. And he goes, oh my gosh, yes. And he was just, he just took to me and really supported me in his language. And I, you know, I haven't spoken to him since. Uh, he ran a bakery in a small town near us and I did it. I started my very first skincare line. It was, well, it was hair care at the time, skin and hair care called Safi Hair Care, which consisted of like hair butters and body oils. And it was really successful for the first time. And I leaned into my creativity for being a first time entrepreneur when I was what, I think I was like 19 or 20 or 21, something very, very young. And from then on, I was just like, this is, I love making things. I love poetry. And, you know, I want to do this. And of course I had other jobs in between time, but I always came back to my creative heart. And I had to figure it out. I really had to figure a lot of things out on my own. And one of the main resources that I say that I have was the support of my family, especially being a young mother. Uh, my family, meaning my mom and my stepdad, because they were the ones helping me raise her. I was able to leave the baby with them while I went to school and went to work and all of those things. And my oldest daughter is now 12. So time has really flown. And I was able to build my career unbeknownst to me. I didn't know that this is the pathway it was going to take by just staying dedicated to knowing that at the end of the day, I knew that I wanted to be self self-employed. I knew that I wanted to make things. I knew that I wanted to write poetry. I didn't think I would be writing poetry or anything professionally, but I just knew that there was something bigger than working for someone else. And my last job was, oh my gosh, almost nine years ago. And I had a successful first book out at the time. And I was still doing my skincare here and there. And I was making jewelry. And, you know, I don't know, I was just kind of this, <laughs> looking back, I was just kind of this creative wandering soul trying to find her way and her footing. And I worked this job, a nonprofit in DC. I had a really not very nice boss. And I knew that I wanted to transition out of there. And in my pathway to you know, writing had really become clear. And I knew that I wanted to write professionally. And I knew that I had to leave my job in order to do that. And I had been saving my money and, you know, just stacking and preparing. And um, I went to put in my two weeks notice and my boss begged me to stay. And I was like, huh, maybe I'm not ready. Maybe this asking of me to stay is my sign that I'm not ready and that I need to continue on at this job and continue selling books on the side and, you know, whatever. So I stayed. And two, it's so in interesting how the the universe works. Two weeks to the day that I put my notice in and he asked me to stay, he called me a low budget employee and to not forget my place at the organization and that I'm not needed and I'm not necessary. And I was like, whoa. So that's what the universe was trying to tell me get out of here. <laughs> but I didn't. And I got kicked in the butt by the universe when he said that. And I was like, I quit on the spot. 
actually write about this in my new book. That's the opening of the book. It's called Change. And I go through, it's a very hilarious essay and also extremely emotional, but I quit on the spot and I left. He deactivated my Metro card when I walked out the door. He was very nasty to me and I never looked back. And then two weeks to the day of me leaving, I got a call from Ohio State University to come teach my first workshop and come speak to their students. And I got paid more than I had ever gotten paid in my life at one time. And I was like, wow. Thanks for listening to that snippet of my chat with Madison Morrigan of Everything Belongs. If you want to hear our entire conversation, head over to the episode notes and you'll find the link there. Take good care and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show today. Please rate, subscribe, and review. Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. Music is by DC's own Kokai. The Hey Girl podcast is produced by Wayne Bertram and me, Alex L.